And amen, church. I am excited. We are in a series called Living on Purpose. Do me a favor. Turn to somebody close to you and tell them it's time to live on purpose. Tell your neighbor right now. They need to know this is the time. Now is the time. We're not waiting anymore. Uh, give it up for everybody watching online. Maybe you've already done that. Give it up for them. Thank you so much for watching online. Type in the comments. It's time to live on purpose. It is time to live on purpose. That's what this series is all about. And if there's, if there's ever anybody that's walked the face of the earth, who ever lived their purpose, his name was Jesus. Okay? So, we're, so we look at Jesus' life, and, and we can say this guy lived on purpose for a purpose, and he did. And not only did he do that, but Jesus then modeled for us or told us how we can do the same. Right? So Jesus, spoiler alert, Jesus dies, and then he rises from the dead. So after Jesus rises from the dead, and by the way, I always say if a guy can die and then bring himself back to life, like, I'm going to listen to that guy. I'll just do what he says. I just, I'm going to trust him. So Jesus says, this is what, how you're to live. This is, how, this is what you're to do. Right? This is it. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus said, I have been given all authority. And they're like, okay, you were dead and now you're alive. I believe it. I have been given all authority on heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I've given. And be sure of this one thing. Know that I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So Jesus just lays it out. We're called to go and make disciples. Jesus said it. We're called to baptize others. Jesus said it. And right now you might be thinking, okay, yeah, make disciples, baptize. Pastor, that's, that's great for you and, you know, the elders and the deacons and the religious people, the priests, the nuns. But I'm, I'm just sitting in the seats, dude. I'm just a regular guy. I'm just a regular person. Okay, newsflash. Even though I'm your pastor, get this. I still, like, go to the bathroom the same way that you do, you know, or half of you, okay? So it's, it, I'm not that different. So it, I'm just laying that out there. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a minister. Like, did you know that? That's kind of, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll really blow you away. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a saint. Now, nobody's ever called you that before, have they? You are a saint. I mean, so the next time that your friend, you, say, you tell your friend, I'm going to church on Sunday, and they're like, oh, you're such a saint. Say, yeah, I know. Thank you, I am. My pastor said I am. You are. You're a saint. If you're a follower of Christ, you've surrendered your life to Jesus. So, but, it, but it, sometimes it's hard because a lot of churches, we've taught that the, the people that are called to ministry, which is all of us if we're saved, um, but the people who are on the platform, they do the ministry. I'm telling you what, you want effective ministry? It's not when the pastor ministers to the body, it's when the body ministers to the body. That's an effective church, okay? And I'll never forget when I first learned this, because I grew up in a church where you, you didn't, I mean, it was the priest, he was doing all the, the, the blessing and the praying and the, 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 all the stuff. It wasn't the people doing it. So when I got saved at a church 13, well, almost 14 years ago now, and, and I was baptized, and then we were doing another baptism event down the road, and my pastor said, hey, you're going to baptize people. And I'm like, who you look, me? I mean, I haven't gone to school for that. I don't know. He's like, there is no school. He said, are you saved? And I said, yeah, I think so. Are, are, have you been baptized? I'm like, yep. He said, all right, you're good to go. 
And I'm like, I don't know what to, you know. He's like, okay, here's what you do. You say, you know, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then you bring them down, and then you bring them back up. He, he, he stressed that we should bring them back up. Otherwise, law enforcement gets involved. It's not good. So bring them back up. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't know what, I don't have a clue. And all of a sudden we get up to this lake. This, this baptism was at a lake outdoors. And there's groups of us baptizing people. And they got cameras on every one of us, you know, recording them. And I remember thinking, my gosh, what am I doing? So this person comes out there to get baptized. And I'm like, hey, what's your name? And I don't even remember what their name was. And I remember thinking to myself, this ain't going to work. <laughs> this isn't going to take. I'm sorry, but it's, I don't know. So I, uh, I kind of froze up. I, I didn't know exactly. You know, I was supposed to say, you know, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I don't even remember what I said. It wasn't that. I, I, I think it was something like, I baptize you in the name of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and I just dunked them. And I'm like, okay, so if that person's watching right now, I'm sorry. And if your life is jacked up right now, I take the blame. I didn't know what I was doing. But they were teaching me in the moment that, that the body ministers to the body. That's why I, I don't think I baptized one person in our church. I don't think I baptized one. Not because I just won't, and I, you know, I'm above that. I'm not. I, we just believe in equipping pe the people to do the ministry. See, we're all called, and you heard this last week if you were here. We're all, say all. We are all called to make disciples. We're all called to make disciples. So, so, so how I pressed in last week, and I asked you a question. If we're all called to make disciples, who are you discipling? And, and, and you might be thinking, crap, I, nobody. And that's okay if you're thinking that. Don't even feel bad if you're thinking that. You know why? Because I, I would point the blame to the church if, if, you haven't, if you haven't discipled anybody or you don't know what that means. Because, because the church over the last for sure half decade or half century, we have taught that, you know, how can I, I can illustrate it. It's easier. This funnel that I want to show you, this is what we've taught. This is, this is how we've got it so backwards. But we've told people, do we have that pick? Do we, we've told people, we, we want you to attend, okay? Attend worship. Attend worship. Maybe the, I don't, maybe, maybe the devil's in our, like, you know, whatever. So, uh, but, but just picture a funnel, and it says attend. And we bring as much, as many, there it is, as many people in as possible, praise Jesus. And we bring you in, right? And you attend. And then some of you, you're going to connect. And you might take a next step. You might get in the Word of God. You might join a small group. But you've connected in some way. And even a little smaller portion of you, you're going, to, you're going to maybe serve in the body of Christ. You're going to use your gifts and talents, serve in the church, outside the church. But that won't be probably most of you. That'll just be maybe some of you. And then there's a little tiny percentage of you that you're actually going to go and make disciples. Think of how backwards this is. But this is what we've done. Like, like we break our necks as churches to build a big, to draw a ton of people in, have this huge congregation, and get as many people as possible in the door. And then, but then we're not going to equip you or challenge you to go and actually make disciples and live the life that Jesus modeled. So call it what it is. We've been more concerned about drawing a crowd than making disciples. That's what we've been. I'm not afraid to say it. I, I, that's what the church... And now you, you might say, well, are we not into bringing people in anymore? Are we not into, like, reaching people? No, 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 don't hear that. We are definitely into reaching people. But, but, but we can't just reach them and then leave them. we got to reach them and then put them in a process or a system or, or something that will help them grow and be equipped to, to teach others to do the same. That's the power of multiplication and discipleship. But the mission of the church has not changed, uh, of Meadows. 
It never will. We exist to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose. And that vision, understand this, it is way beyond our capacity. It is way beyond our ability. It is way beyond our resources. But we will never apologize for big vision and wanting to reach people for Jesus because Jesus didn't die on a cross for the church not to grow. We're going to grow. But we need to grow both wide and deep. Okay, it's got to be both. There's not, and, there's not this or this. It's both and. That's what it is. If we want to see a movement that lasts, we have to get serious about making disciples. Not because your pastor is saying it, because the King of King and Lord of Lords said it. So what does it look like? What is disciple making? Last week, I, I shared a very brief and simple description. It's intentional relationships with Jesus at the center. That's all it is. It is an intentional walk with others focused on getting to know Christ more. Because when you get Christ in you and you get to know him more, he will change your life. And you will ultimately change the lives of those around you. It will happen. But that's what it is. And, and listen to me. Discipleship takes time. It is not a classroom setting for two hours. It is not watch this video and you're good to go. Listen to this podcast and you're, you're, you, got what, you got what you need. No, no, no. Discipleship takes time. So what does it look like if the funnel that we've been using is upside down? How about we turn the, the funnel right side up and do, do it the way Jesus did it? You study scripture and you'll see the way Jesus did it. it, it it's so countercultural. It's so different. Jesus came to reverse the order of things, didn't he? Check this out. So the more that we pray on, at Meadows Church, the more we seek the word of God and his will, the more it leads us, us back to this. You picked you pick such a great time to come to church. So... Look at this. So, so what did Je how, Jesus, how did you do it? You know what Jesus did? He started with three. There was three that he was really intentional with. We call them the inner three, Peter, James, and John. They got to see things that the others didn't get to see. They got to hear teachings the others didn't get to hear. They got to witness miracles the others didn't get to witness. There was the three. And then he had his 12, right? So he had the 12, he had his three, and then... Jesus, you could spread it out. When Jesus, remember he sent out 70 to go uh, evangelize and witness in the towns and he gave them instructions on how to do it. So then it was 70. And then pretty soon when he came back to life, pretty soon he was showing up to 500 people and giving them the great commission saying, hey, go and make disciples. So it's spread out. So, so, so we would call, let, let, let's break it down in Meadows terms. We would call the 12 that he led, the 12 disciples, we'd call that a life group. Jesus had a life group. But those are the small groups of the church, very, very critical to, to the health and growth of meadows and reaching people for Christ. That was his life group. But what about the three? You know what we'd call the three? Because he really discipled the three. I mean, he discipled them all, but he got very intentional with Peter, James, and John. You know what we call that? That was his purpose group. The purpose group is our discipleship process at Meadows Church. This is what we're unveiling over this week and next week and, and beyond that. And for years to come, this is it. Jesus had 12. Life group, Jesus had three. Purpose group, very purposeful, very intentional, very intentional. So this is what I want to do. And this is what I want you to know. There are values and foundational things that make up purpose groups. Um, they're, they're, God has shown us this so clearly. And, and this is what I want to do because it, it takes time to un, kind of unpack them. So I'm going to give you three of them this week and two of them next week. And then after, after next week, we're gonna, I'll invite you back to a setting on August 26th. Just put that in your mind or in your calendar or write it down right now. On Thursday, August 26th, this is, not, this, is this Sunday, the next Sunday, and then that next week, that August 26th Thursday date, 
We're gonna, I'm going to invite you out to Nebraska Christian College, and I'm going to dissect what we've talked about, and you'll have opportunities to ask questions. You'll have opportunities to, to join a purpose group or, or even join a life group or whatever you want to do, whatever God is leading you to do. That's the goal. I just prayed with the prayer team before I came in here. You know, I, you know what we prayed for? We prayed for you. And I said, prayer team, let's pray that, that the, the people listening, the people watching online, the people listening online, that when the word of God goes forth, that you will do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. If you will do that, if you will do that, your life will change radically. I promise you. So, so let's go back to the values of these purpose groups. What are they? The first one, say one. Here we go. Value number one, the process for the groups, the process for this discipleship, it's simple. It's got to be simple. It has to be simple. Jesus kept it so simple. Have you ever noticed that organizations that keep it simple, they're pretty successful? Anybody like Raising Cane's? Raising Cane's chicken? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, now I know that we're in church, and anytime you bring up chicken, it's supposed to be Chick-fil-A and the Holy Bird, but yeah, whatever, get over yourself. I'm talking about Raising Cane's right now. And Raising Cane's, they have one love. It's chicken. And they do chicken well. And for those of you that can't get Chick-fil-A off your mind, I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say something right now that it might cause you to rush the stage. I don't know. Security, just be prepared, okay? Because this might make some Christians mad. Some people online, you might want to you may be tempted to log off. I hope you don't. But... But I'm going to say something that is so countercultural, it might get me removed from my pastoral seat. I don't even care. So, <laughs> Raising Cane's, their sauce, you ready for this? Is better than Chick-fil-A sauce. Okay. Ew, I, yes, it is a fact. I'm just saying it out loud, just speaking the truth. God will judge me. I just need you to know it. I didn't say the chickens, but I'm just saying the sauce is better. But they do it well because they keep it simple. You know, uh, Vince Lombardi, legendary coach of the Packers, I read a story about him, and uh, he kept it simple. And the Packers, um, you know what, Jake, you, we have that football. Just bring it up here, throw it up here. This is what Lombardi would do to the opening team, thank you. So he would grab a football. Now, these are professional football players that play for this legendary Packers team. And Lombardi, when the new class came in, or the new recruits, or the, the rookies, along with the other team members, begin the year, he'd be like, hey, this is a football. And they're like, no kidding. Okay, this is a football. And he would walk them outside to the field and he would say, guys, this is a football field. And they're like, is he smoking something? I mean, yeah, we know. You know. And he'd say, that is the goalpost. And at this point, they're thinking, my gosh, can I go play for a real team? Like, you know, the Cowboys? You know what I'm saying? So, woo! Yeah, anyway, <laughs> so, so he said, this is a football field. That's a goal post. He went to the end zone. This is the end zone. The goal for our team is to score more points than the other team. Seems so remedial. Almost seems comical. This is what he did. He kept it so, he, he knew something. He knew that if it was simple, he'd be able to reproduce it. And if it's reproducible, you can ultimately uh, start a movement. And the, you can't deny the success. I think nine out of his, he coached nine years, eight years, they made, eight of the nine years, they made it to the championship game. In the first Super Bowl, when they did have Super Bowls, they won it. So it was, don't be clapping. We're not, this is not all about the Packers. I already told you God's team is the Cowboys and you know it. So anyway, so, but he kept it simple. He kept it simple because why? It's reproducible. If it's complicated, we won't do it. We won't get it. We can't pass it on because I don't even understand what I'm doing. It's got to be so simple. He kept it simple. So if he keeps it simple, which he did, 
Actually, you know what? I, lo- I love how, if it's simple, it's reproducible. You, you, you can start a movement by, by it reproducing itself. So, when the Apostle Paul was at the end of his life, I think the last letter that we know of him writing is 2 Timothy. He's writing it to his, his protege, to his mentee, Timothy. And this is what he tells him. He's basically on his deathbed. And he says in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, You've heard me teach things, Timothy, that, that have been confirmed by my many re- reliable witnesses. Now you, you teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So what is he saying? I've taught you in a simple way. You're going to teach others in a simple way. They're going to teach others in a simple way. How would Christianity and the gospel of Jesus Christ spread for over 2,000 years? you got to keep it simple. See, we religious people, we like to complicate it. We like to make it difficult. Right, Jake? That's my boy. So anyway, so, <laughs> so <laughs> we, like to, we like to make it difficult. But, but, but they kept it simple. It was reproducible. I mean, uh, along the football analogy, we can, keep, we can keep going there. Anybody seen Remember the Titans with Denzel? Yeah. Okay, four of you. Great. So I, uh, I've seen it, but I, I love Denzel. But I'm more of a training day Denzel than I am a Remember the Titans. Anyway, so, um, but, but Remember the Titans, there's a scene in there where they kept it simple. They had like six plays, the team. That's it. And they're talking about how, how the playbook is so skinny. And it's like, what the heck? And, and Denzel said, we have six plays. Six. They knew them inside and out. They knew their one love. It was these six plays. And they practiced them. And they knew them like the back of their hand. They could do them in their sleep. And he says this comment. And it's, 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 it's so true when it comes to the purpose groups and discipleship. He says, it's like Novocaine. Just give it time. It always works. It always works. I promise you. If you give it time and you press into what God is doing... He will do a work in you. Steady plotting leads to what? Prosperity. Steady plotting leads to prosperity. But, what, but, but the playbook, you got to have it, right? I mean, Lombardi needed a playbook. Denzel needed a playbook. So if the process is simple, Pastor, for, this, for these purpose groups you're talking about, what is, the, um, what is the playbook? What is the curriculum? Like, what, uh, discipleship, you Google that, you're going to find a lot of resources. You'll find a lot of videos. You'll find a lot of opinions. You'll find a lot of teachings. You'll find a lot of podcasts. You will find blogs. You will find thousands, millions of things about discipleship. Oh, if only Jesus were here to help us pick. He'd know. Jesus, you would pick the most God-inspired silver bullet mother of all curriculums. We need him here. It's like, better yet, Jesus, if you would just write one, okay? If it came directly from you and you just plopped it right in front of us, if you just wrote a word, wait, what if the curriculum, this is crazy for a pastor to say, what if the curriculum was the Bible? (sighs) I know, this is just really deep stuff here, isn't it? What if, rather than all the people's opinions and all the teachings and all the, what if we just say, you know what, I'm just going to chuck that in the trash can for right now, and what if I just grab one thing? And we all have the same curriculum. And it's not our curriculum. We didn't write it, but he wrote it. I have to think that that might work pretty well. So I want to keep it simple. The process is simple. The curriculum, the word of God. Second Timothy, again, remember that last letter that Paul wrote? Listen to what he says. All scripture is inspired by God to be useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. The word of God. Now, maybe you're like me. Maybe you grew up knowing of the Bible, 
learning about the Bible. You might have even sang about it. Did you? The B-I-B-L-E. Come on. Yes, that's the book for me. Anybody? I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. I sang about it all the time. I just didn't open it. I just didn't read it. And I remember when I got saved and my pastor was preaching just like I am to you. And he said, read your Bible. And I was like, I've never read the Bible. I mean, the priest read it. I didn't read it. But, but he, that's, what he, that's what he said. And look up here. I've told you this probably hundreds of times. And I'll, and I'll say it till God calls me home. The number one way that I've grown spiritually is the word of God. Never dreamed I would tell you that. I never dreamed that reading a, a book would change my life. It is the number one way that I've grown. And maybe you've heard this from some really smart guy, but 10 minutes a day for the rest of your days, right? 10 minutes a day in the word of God for the rest of your days, it'll change your days. 10 minutes a day for the rest of your days will change your days. Purpose groups are going to get you that 10 minutes a day. And you may be thinking, it's confusing, Pastor. The Bible, I don't know where to start. Where do I begin? And I always tell people, you know, there's no better place to begin than the stories of Jesus. And I always kind of cringe when, I, when, when people will say, you know, my method is I go home and I open the Bible and I just, you know, boom. And I, there's, I'm not, that's not bad because you're in the Word of God, so that's great. But I don't know if that's the most strategic way. Though I did, I did hear a story where that worked actually incredibly good. A pastor that, this is pre-cell phone, pre-smartphone. A pastor broke down at the side of the road and uh, he needed help. So he went to the closest establishment to use the telephone. And uh, it was a bar. And Jim was at the bar. Jim was about 12 gin and tonics in. So he was, Jim wasn't feeling no pain. And he said, Jim, how, you, you, things rough? And Jim's like, things are rough. Man, I'm in debt. I got serious problems. Creditors are coming after me. I don't know how long I can hold them off. And he's like, Jim, listen to me. I believe so much in the word of God and the power of the word of God that I need you to go home and I need you to open the word. And he, Jim asked, well, where? He said, you don't matter. You open it up. You do this. God will direct you. God will show you your next step. Jim leaves, stumbles out of the bar. Pastor don't hear from him for like a week. He's wondering, is Jim, is Jim still around? So he calls Jim and says, Jim, what the heck? Where you been? He's like, Pastor, I'm doing great. It's incredible. This is awesome. He said, so it worked. He said, yes, it worked. I went home. I opened the word of God. I just did it randomly and I did this. And God showed me the next step. He said, well, well what book did he, where, where did he lead you? He said, I don't remember the book, but I know it was, it was chapter 11. So I went and I filed chapter 11 and things are smooth right now. And he's like, I don't know if that's really what God, he's like, no, pastor, it was. And I didn't stop there. After I filed chapter 11, I did the same technique again, did it again, opened it up, boom. And the pastor's like, okay, what did God say then? He, he led me to this Old Testament book of job. God was telling me to get a job, pastor. Pastor didn't even correct him. He's like, yeah, you should get a job. So anyway, I don't know if that's the best methodology to do. I tell people, you start in the New Testament, you start with the stories of Jesus, it'll, it'll change you. You fall in love with the one who loves you more than you know, it'll change you. It will change you. Read the word of God. So 2 Timothy 3.16, just, we just read that, how it's inspired, it teaches us, corrects us. That was 3.16, 3.17, listen to this. God uses his word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So, so how in the world do we think we're going to be prepared and equipped to do anything good in the world if we never open the word of God? Like, God just told us through, through the pen of Paul that you're, 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 it's, going to, it's going to teach, not only teach you, but it's going to prepare and equip you. If you're not prepared and equipped, in other words, you're not in the word of God, how in the heck are you going to live your purpose? How, how would you do that? 
And, and we wonder, sometimes we wonder why things aren't working out and God's not speaking to us. And, you know, I, people will say, I don't hear, God's not directing me. God's not guiding me. God's not, God's not talking. Listen to me. If you want to hear the word of God, open up the word of God. That's what you need to do. Because when you open the Bible, God opens his mouth. Amen? That's when he speaks. I don't hear God speaking. Then you're not in the word of God. Because I promise you, he'll speak if you're, if you're open and listening. He will do it. Not only that, but it's, it is your weapon. It is the sword of the spirit. In the, in the armor of God, the only offensive weapon is the word of God. And somehow we think we're going to go in this battle, this insane place called the world. And we're going to like go in and just, you know what? I'm good. I mean, the enemy's got all kinds of weapons and he's firing a lot at me. But you know what? No one in the military would be that dumb to say, you know what? I'm just good. I don't need that. I don't need that. Leave the guns. I'll just go walking in. But we do it every day. We do it every day. We will walk into this world and then we wonder why the world is so jacked up. And we wonder, we wonder why people are fighting and arguing. We wonder why unity in our nation is non-existent. We wonder why there's, I mean, the, the depression, the anxiety, the loneliness, the suicide. We wonder why they're at an all-time high. Listen to me. It is time to pick up your weapon and fight. The Word of God is alive and it is active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Ten minutes a day for the rest of your days. I can't hear anybody. Ten minutes a day for the rest of your days will change your days. But you got to open it. You got to trust Him. Give him 10 out of all you got. He will change you. The process is simple. The curriculum, you've all got probably four or five of the curriculum sitting on a shelf somewhere in your house. It's the word of God. But we need a teacher, right? You can't have a process and have a curriculum and have no teacher. Teachers make a difference. First week of school, in my area anyway, so should we give it up for all the teachers and all the faculty making a difference in our schools, putting up with our children? I love you kids, but your work. So thank you. If you're a teacher, if you're in faculty, we love you. God bless you. You are uh, you're in the trenches. But who's the teacher in this? Who's teaching it? Because teachers do matter. Think about your, one of your favorite teachers growing up. Who made a difference in your life? Could have been elementary, could have been middle school, could have been high school. Think of the one teacher you're like, oh, man, they were good. In fact, let's do this. Uh, online, when I count to three, you're just going to type in your, that teacher's name in the comments. Here, I just want you to shout out the teacher's name on the count of three, all together. Ready? The teacher that made a difference in your life. You ready? One, two, three. I didn't understand anything you said there. But, but I'm grateful that Mr. and Mrs. whoever you said made a difference in your life. Mrs. Heimiller in the sixth grade made a difference in my life. I didn't like her much because she was strict. She wasn't a fun teacher, but she taught me empathy. She taught me the, the, the power of an apology. I'll tell you that. Miss, the, the punishment with, with Mrs. Heimiller when you got in trouble was writing lines. Now, I know that I'm dating myself here because you don't even write in school anymore, right? You just type it or whatever the heck. Yeah, but we had to write lines, the same line over and over. And she'd say, write this 300 times. 300 times. What if you're old? You know, but you have to write it. And I remember writing, I think one of them was, I will not play with rubber cement. I will not play with rubber cement. I, do they even have rubber cement anymore? I do even, you're probably like, what? It was, I'm again, dating myself, but it was like glue that came in a thing that had a brush on it. And you, you know, it's like, it was like a powerful glue. 
But we, the guys and I, we would, you know, we would take it and uh, kind of put it on our desk like this, just on our desk, and then it would kind of get hard and smudgy, and we'd roll it up into these little tiny balls, and they look like little boogers, and then we'd walk over to a girl, and we'd be like, hey, how you doing? And then I'd kind of wipe it on her, and she, there's a reason I didn't have girlfriends growing up. So anyway, so, but that would get us in trouble. The girls didn't like that, neither did the teachers. So I, but the, the kicker was, I knew Mrs. Heimler was big on the apology. So I'd write about 20 lines down, and then all of a sudden I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go out and see Ms. Heimler. I'd go outside. She was watching recess, and I'd be like, Mrs. Heimler, I'm really sorry about the rubber cement and wiping it on Jennifer's dress or whatever the heck I did. So I'd be like, I'm really sorry about that. I said, I won't do it again. And she's like, okay. And she'd believe it. I think I kind of meant it in the moment, but kind of not, you know, sixth grader. And, uh, but she said, all right, you don't need to write any more lines. You can go out for recess. And I remember, I remember telling her, and I won't do it again. But only to find out two weeks later, guess what? Yeah, like the great prophet Brittany would say, oops, I did again. You know what I'm saying? I did. And I did it again and again. But, but Mrs. Heimler taught me the power of the apology. So teachers matter. Being a teacher is hard. Listen to me. In the discipleship process, in purpose groups, let me take the pressure off. Okay, you, you, don't need, you, don't need to, you don't need to study anything ahead of time. You don't need to, you don't need to gather a curriculum or, or get all these questions together. You don't, even, know the, you don't need, even need to know the answer to the questions. You don't need to prepare really anything ahead of time for anybody else. Do you know why? Because you're not the teacher. You're not the teacher. Even if you're the purpose group leader, you ain't the teacher. You know who the teacher is? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Jesus through his spirit. You're exactly right. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. This takes the pressure off you. you. The Holy Spirit has that power. John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the advocate, this is the Holy Spirit, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and, you, and will remind you of everything that I've told you. He will teach you everything. He will teach you everything. You're not the teacher. You don't need to worry about it. You can take the pressure off. You don't have to try and change them. By the way, I don't know, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you can change them. You can't change them. Okay, I don't know who that's for. You can't change them. You can try to maneuver. You can try to manipulate. You can try to do whatever you think you can do to change somebody. But you can't do it. It's maybe why you're worn out. It's maybe why you're so frustrated. My God, you can pray for them. And you should. You can love them. You, but, but, and you can invite them and do those things. But, but the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. He is the one who leads. He is the one who teaches. He is the one who, gu who guides. And the Holy Spirit is the only one who has the power to change a heart. He's it. He's it. So that was for free. I don't even know where that came from, but I just know that we will have people in our lives and we're like, I wish they would change. I wish they were different. Pray for them. Lead them. But you can't change them. Take that pressure off yourself. By the way, just in saying that, you know who's responsible for your growth, right? Yeah, it's good. You are. You are. I mean, the process is simple. The curriculum is the Bible. The, the, the Holy Spirit, or the teacher is the Holy Spirit. But the growth, well, that's up to you. Because you can have all those things and not grow if you don't participate in the process. I had a guy come up to me one, one time, and I always cringe when I hear this. But he came up to me, and sometimes people will come from other churches, and, and that's okay if God's leading you to do that, but, but there's a lot of times when he's not. And, and he said, I said, hey, you know, what's your story? He said, oh, this church here. And I said, well, why'd you leave the church, you know? 
because I love the body of Christ, not just, I, not just Meadows Church. I love the local church. And he said, you know, I just wasn't getting fed. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. Because you know, what, you know what I heard? You'll be leaving this church too eventually. You will, because if you're relying on a 30 to 40-minute message to feed you for the week, I mean, that's a start. That's an appetizer, right? Right? That's, 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 that's some chicken wings before the real meal comes out. But, but that ain't going to do it. That isn't enough to do it. And I remember, t- I remember thinking to myself, oh, he's going to be gone. And I always kind of internally, you know, like I said earlier, I'm, like, I'm a human just like you are, even though I'm a pastor. And I have thoughts. Sometimes they're not godly. Like when that guy told me, and I'm, I'm going I'm to be vulnerable with you, and I'm going to trust you here. Um, we may have to not include this online. But um, when that guy said, I'm just not getting fed, he was a bigger guy. And he said, I'm just not getting fed. I didn't say it out loud, but my first thought was, you could have fooled me. I mean, I just, I'm sorry, I just didn't say it. I'm just, I'm human, okay? But it made me mad. So, anyway, so it's up to you. Your growth is up to you. This series, Living on Purpose, the entire purpose, purpose of this discipleship process, of these purpose groups, is for you. I wrote it down. It is designed to change the way you live everyday life. This is, this is all in, by the way. This isn't like, I mean, it is, it's all in. To change you for the better. We weren't that bright coming up with it. We just looked at what Jesus did. We said, okay, it worked for him a couple thousand years ago. We'll try it. Some of you, you're desperate for change. You're desperate for it. That's why God would lead you here. What if this is it? What if how Jesus radically changed the world might just radically change your world? I don't think it's a might. We're called out as the church. The church, we've spent way too much time bringing people in and sitting and teaching, but we don't equip anybody to do anything. It's on the church. It's not on you. It's on the church. But that changes today for certainly at Meadows. I can't speak for other churches. I just want to do it the way Jesus did it. You know what the church means? The word church literally means called out. Did you know that? It means called out. Jesus Christ, when he met his first couple disciples, he called them out. Matthew 4, 18, one day, this King Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They're throwing a net in the water. They fished for a living. And God, or Jesus called out to them and said, come, follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. I will show you what really matters. You're making a living with your fishing gig. I will teach you how to make a life. A movement. It starts with a small pocket of people. It's how any breakthrough culture changing, bending moment starts, good or bad. Communism started with a few committed people. The Taliban started with a few committed people. Christianity, well, it started with a committed individual named Jesus, and he poured into a few other people. And now it's two billion people strong. But yet, even as I say that and I get so excited about it, you know what all I can think about? And this is my burden for lost people. All I can think about is the other four or five billion that don't know him. The four or five billion that are dying today, that are addicted today, that are are living in a way that is worldly and it's killing them. People that have been hurt or abused, people that have been neglected, downtrodden, disillusioned people, people that are suffering, 
suffering, people that don't know they have a purpose, people that don't know they have a creator, people that don't know that there's somebody that loves them. They still think they need to be good enough, those people. And they know they're not good enough. Trust me, they know that. You don't have to tell them. Their shame tells them. Their guilt tells them. And they've been hurt. They've been lied to. I'm sure they've gone to churches and been judged. If you've ever ever, ever been judged by the local church, I just apologize. Just remember the church is made up of people. People are messed up. Still God's bride. I wrote this down. They feel like they're too gone. They feel like they're too broken. They feel like they're too messed up. They feel like they're not good enough. Well, if that's you, you're exactly who Jesus came for. That's why he came. I didn't come for those who are righteous, he said, or those who think they are righteous. I came for those that know they are sinners. Oh, I know. Aren't aren't you sick of being worn out? Trying to leave church and going, I've got to be good enough. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. It's not about what you've got to do. It's about what Jesus has already done. I feel like there's a weight on people today. I feel like there's a weight on you watching and listening online, carrying a weight you were never created to carry, burdened by the world that you got strapped on your shoulders. I'm not good enough. No, you're not, and you never will be, but you don't have to be, because he is. It's why he even came. The gospel of Jesus Christ says, I will take the weight from you. I will take the burden from you. The reason you're so worn out is because you're living life on your own strength. You can't do it. It's why there is suicide. It's why there's the, the, the world we live in. It's, why, it's the way they live. You were never supposed to live that way. You weren't created to live that way. That's why Jesus carried a cross up a hill. Jesus Christ goes to the cross and dies for us. This is why he did it. Jesus did it because you can't do it and I can't do it. It's gotta be somebody so perfect and that's him. But I don't have to talk you into believing the fact that you're messed up. You know that. I know that. And Jesus dies on the cross. But like I gave the spoiler alert earlier, he didn't stay dead. And that's the key to Christianity. That's the key to new life. That's the key to purpose. That's the there, Who gives a rip about discipleship if, we don't, if we're not sold out to the one who we're doing it for? It doesn't matter. Purpose groups aren't a Bible study. Let's get in and learn the Word of God. Yeah, I want you to learn the God so it can change your life. So you'll make a difference in your neighbor's life and your teacher's life and your kids' life and your family's life. That's why they exist. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. So Jesus goes to the cross and he dies, but he didn't stay dead. And this is the key. This is it. Three days later, Jesus Christ, they came to look for him. He wasn't there. Why? Because he had risen from the dead. Because he's alive, we have hope and we have purpose. And we can do life together. And you don't have to carry the weight of the world anymore. You don't have to struggle anymore. You don't have to leave here and feel so dead on the inside. Why would you let that happen? Christ died to make you alive. But pastor, I'm not a good person. I, I keep telling you. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus Christ came to bring dead people back to life. Give him a shout. Give God praise up in here. If you want God to do something in you, let him know it. God, work in our lives. So, 
You want to sell out to the resurrection of Jesus? You can. And some of you, maybe you thought you had, but the way you're living, it doesn't look any different than a non-believer. Today's your day to sell out to the King. Online, today's your day to text, I choose Jesus, to 474747. In the room, you can do the same text or just mark it on your card. I don't care. I just want you to sell out to the King. By God's grace, you are saved. You can't earn it. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. And neither am I. The grace of God would cover you. Pastor, if it's so easy, why are most people going to go to hell? And they are. That's what the word says. Because they don't understand. Maybe they've never been told. Maybe they don't believe. I don't know. You don't have to earn it. Just say, I want that grace. I want that to cover me. I want him to forgive me. And I truly want to take a different path. If you will do that and ask him to forgive you and make you new, he will do it today. Why would we not do that? Why would we not let, let him be in us to guide us? That's the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh. So this week, this past week, I'm at a radio station with a good friend of mine. And they're interviewing us, long interview that they're going to play in a couple weeks uh, in a five-day segment on, on, on his life and what Jesus is doing. And I'm not kidding you. As we sat in there getting interviewed by this, by this station, I listened to him talk. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I forgot all the things that we've been through together and that he's been through. And I got to tell you, there were some heavy, hard moments. And then there's these moments of deliverance where he met Christ and got baptized. And it's such a journey. It is not a one-time just, oh, I'm good to go. Pick up your cross daily. But I'm telling you what, we, we cried together. We laughed together. We prayed together. That's his story. But what's your story? Your story is just as powerful. It's just as meaningful. Purpose groups are a huge part of where we're going. They won't be for everybody right away. Depends on where you're at. Maybe it's a life group. Maybe it's something else. But you, there is a next step for you. That's what I want you to know. There is a next step for you. Your next step for sure is to come back next week as we finish this teaching on these groups and on the discipleship process. In a minute, you're going to have an opportunity to pray right in the people, with the people around you. Prayer team will be walking around there to assist or pray with you if you want. But we're a church that prays together because we're a church that does life together. We're a family. So I pray as you huddle up here in just a minute and pray for each other that if there's anything specific on your heart, you'll bring it up. It doesn't have to be a generic prayer, but if you got something struggling, my marriage is dead. Say it. My kids, they can't stand who I am as a dad. Say it. I'm dying on the inside. I have so much debt that I, I, I'm so freaked out. Say it. Confess it. Just say it. And let somebody next to you that you may, maybe don't even know lift you up in prayer. Oh, the power of the prayer and the power of what God will do when we get real. This is a church where it's okay to not be okay. Stop pretending like you're okay. You'll never heal. Get real before each other and before the Father. Let me pray for you. And do not forget about the August 26th date at NCC. That will be where the rubber meets the road. Father, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. The word of God, the word of God it is active. It is alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, you gave us scripture today. You gave us words from Jesus. You gave us writings from Paul. 
You showed us things that the disciples did that changed their life through the Son of God. Why would we not want to live that way? We don't want to drift through life and look like everybody else. Oh, I'm just going to raise my family and I'm going to make a few bucks, put some stuff in retirement, and then retire at 65 and then just live for myself for the next 20 years until I die. That's, that's life? That's what you want to do? That's the impact that you want to make? We, didn't, we weren't created for that. Yes, we should love our family. Yes, we should plan. But it's, it's not about us. It's about, it's about living for you and making an impact in the people's lives that don't know you. This is our calling. We are called to seek and save those who are lost. For we are Jesus to people that don't know Jesus. God, I pray for the people today that need to surrender everything to you. I pray, I don't care if it's online or in the room, it doesn't matter to me. I just want them to do, what, do whatever the Holy Spirit is telling them to do. God, if they do that, they, oh, it'll be a good day. It won't be an easy day. It'll be a good day. I thank you for the prayer groups or the prayer uh, circles or huddles that'll bust out in about 45 seconds. God, I pray for boldness and courageousness. I pray for vulnerability and authenticity. I pray that people will get real they walked in here with a burden. They walked in here with a struggle. They walked in here with a fear. And devil, you're trying, to, you're trying to keep it in them. But we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You're not going to do it. This is the house of the Lord. And we confess in this place. And we love each other in this place. And there is no judgment here. And there's no condemnation here. And there's no shame here. Because Romans 8.1 says, There is no condemnation for those that belong to Christ Jesus. Father, have your way. Bless us in the name of the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. God will never stop declaring, you are the King. You are our God, and you love us. And in you, God, as we take next steps, well, the best is always yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray, and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.